All right, what's up, everybody? Welcome to Midwelly Podcast, episode 32, where we talk all things winter training with uh, Dave Harward from Plan 7. The episode is uh, all about structured training, creating a plan, essentials for your winter training, and what you can be doing now to have a really great off-season, how to prep, uh, maybe how to rest, how to take some time off, listen to your body and your mind to get ready for uh, building a great base for the spring. So huge thanks to Dave for joining us for his third time. I want to give a big shout out to Dan Mills. Uh, Dang, man, Dan came to my rescue and I know a lot of the team is working with him. Dan is a sponsor of the team as well as a team member, friend who runs a physical therapy. Uh, So Dan's logo has been on the back of your jersey for the last year. And uh, Dan is absolutely the best man when it comes to taking care of us personally. Uh, If you have ailments, if you have problems, if you have something that's bothering you, I would 100% go to Dan and talk to him, connect with him about what these physical problems are, whether it's a knee, a shoulder, a back, a neck. Uh, He can evaluate, kind of give you best steps for moving forward. Our daughter had a soccer injury a couple weeks ago, and without question, Dan is the first person I call um, for advice. He comes over to my home to evaluate her in the the best possible way. He was so kind, uh, so thoughtful, very uh, efficient, but also took the time to to take care of us. So a huge shout out to Dan, and if you've got those winter ailments, man, you should connect with him. Start uh, reaching out and and seeing how he can help. So thank you uh, to all our sponsors. Grateful for each of you. So uh, great episode ahead with with Dave. Hopefully you can learn a lot and uh, get that training session for the winter started off right. All righty. Thanks. All right. What's up? Welcome, everybody. Today uh, we're, we're joined by dude, three time. This is your third. I'm very grateful to have you on. Uh, Dave, Har- Dave Harward's here to talk about winter training, to talk about getting back on trainers, to talk about structured training, all things uh, that revolve around kind of what you should be doing now from a coach. Uh, Jay Cook, greetings. Howdy. Welcome. Good to be Welcome. back. So Jake's here. Uh, the three of us are on today. So um, grateful to be on the podcast. Dave, I want to just review real quick what Plan 7 does. Uh, at the at the outset, what your company is all about for someone who's has no idea. Can you tell us a little bit about Plan Seven? Yeah, yeah. So Plan Seven, uh, we got started in two thousand six. So I believe we've been around for longer than fifteen years, if I do my math right. <laughs> and uh, we offer individualized coaching plans. Um, all the way from like a basic structure up to you need me to call you on the daily and tell you exactly what your workout should be, analyze it, integrate nutrition. Um, so we we offer a broad range of coaching services. We also offer um, uh, nutrition programming and analysis. Brianne's a registered dietitian and with a focus on nutrition counseling and sport dietetics. So she knows her stuff way smarter than me and and, uh, fortunately feeds me 
So that's awesome. <laughs> uh, we also offer um, comprehensive bike fit services and optimization on, on bike fit, which I think we should talk about when we're talking about winter training. Um, and so a, a typical bike fit appointment will run 120 minutes usually. And we look at everything from your cleat placement, supporting your shoes, saddle height, proper saddle height setback, um, proper saddle for you as an individual, and then making sure your cockpit is super dialed in so that we have neutral um, joint alignment, which means you can maximize all of your output to the pedals. Um, we offer a variety of retail services. So um, sport nutrition, um, Wahoo trainers, uh, DNA cycling clothing. Um, is it EFS you've got? Is that what stopped? Yeah, First Endurance. First Endurance First. has been a longtime partner with us. And so um, Brianne feels like their nutrition products are the tip of the top um, from a registered dietitian standpoint. And um, we've just had great success with their product and love that they stay on top of the science and make sure that their products are reflecting what is um, happening with research. So nice. from a broad standpoint, that's, that's who we are. Um, we love being part of the Utah cycling community, which has had its struggles um, as probably most have with COVID. And, and it seems like we're coming out of it mostly successful. I think the road scene is a little bit, um, a little bit sad right now, but I feel like there's things going on locally to help that. And, and that's not something that is unusual around the country. Um, so uh, it's great to have such an organized team like you guys have that has its culture and community and you know you guys are out there and it's it's awesome well we hope so it's uh um you know it's it's my my goal i mean is a huge part of my life uh to involve and make sure that it's worthwhile to be part of like a team and to to be part of a group and whether it's community friendship or I don't know if you want discounted spandex, whatever, uh, whatever you want to use us for. Uh, I, I, I'm grateful for, I mean, Dave, we are like um, grateful for you. You've been a huge help for whether guys are joining House of Watts, which we'll talk about here in a bit, uh, nutrition training, coaching. Uh, a lot of me dwellies are kind of stepping up into your arena, which is fun to see because it, it'll only lift, it'll only lift the group. So sure. Sure. Um, well, uh, Jake, Jake kind of framed us here. Um, I think over the, over the over the last three years. Okay, so let's. I'll back up. the The creation of indoor video game riding on a bike. Okay, so there used to be this thing where you would get on a trainer and you'd be like, "Okay, I gotta sweat my freaking nuts off here. Like it's the worst. Like you're inside, and all of a sudden, Wahoo." Zwift, Sufferfest, Trainer Road, like you name, they've all of a sudden made this thing inside. It's kind of like 
a second season. Like it's, it's kind of fun. Um, it's, it, it's for me, I'm speaking personally, it has created a thing where I'm like, this isn't the worst anymore, like going inside. And from Dave's perspective, what we brought him on, uh, we'd love to talk about all things as we transfer into winter. How much, how often, structure training, like the things that are going to make a great winter fun, but also successful. Is that a good frame for what we're going to do? I think so. Okay. Dave, let's just, let's just start with structured training. Like, uh, what is it? Why is it, why is it important for winter? Yeah. So there's a, there's a number of ways to put together a structured training plan. Um, and when we, when we get thinking about how to, like, if I have a new client coming to me and they, they're already bought in that they want a plan and we start talking about what their goals are, whether we're mid season, whether we're early season, whether we're right now and we're looking forward to the upcoming season. Um, I'm going to sit down and try to understand time constraints and where they're at with current fitness. Um, we can build an amazing plan, but if it doesn't match up with your time constraints, the least motivating thing ever to take a look at what you're scheduled to do and know in advance that you can't do it, right? And, and so a huge consideration, no matter when, what time of year that you're thinking about your training is what your time constraints are. And, and I'll, I'll push and push and push to truly understand, you know, if somebody tells me, Hey, I can do 18 hours a week. I'm like, okay, you're married and have a family. If I, if I shoot a note off to your spouse and say, Hey, does 18 hours a week work for you? And if they say yes, awesome. That's, you know, that's a reality that, you know, if I put together a big week of 18 hours, there's a progression to each workout that gets you to the next week, that gets you to the bigger block of the month that lays out to the larger architecture that we're trying to accomplish over a season, right? And, and so rather than frustrate yourself with not being able to do a workout or having a contention or missed appointments or missed like, you know, you're some, something has to give, right? So I can do better work with 12 hours than somebody saying that they can do 18, right? So time constraints are super duper important to be realistic about. And then if we're, if things are looking awesome, yeah, we can bump it up here and there and have it be something dynamic, right? Um, and so as we think about structure, we're thinking, okay, why structure? What, what's the point? What if I get miles in? And if you get miles in and you're not excessive and overdoing it, you're going to see gains, right? And you're going to see difference in your physiology. You're going to see difference in, in your power. Um, it's exercise will do good things for your body what we're, when we start to think about structure, what we're doing is creating physiological tasks that progress on each other 
so that you build efficiency and depth to fitness. And we also want to consider neuromuscular tasks so that um, we're making uh, we're making progress in the efficiency standpoint of how your body works. So like, for example, I rarely find um, people not able to pedal hard at a 70 cadence, right? But then if I ask them to pedal at 105, they're bouncing all over the place or they just feel awkward and they can't put out optimal power. We wanna be able to pedal across the range of, of cadence and be able to do it efficiently. And unless we practice it, our body's not gonna be able to do it well. So we're thinking about, with structure, we're thinking about physiological tasks as well as neuromuscular tasks. And that's, that's you know, I kind of surprise people when I talk about that. And, but then when they get working on a particular workout that's focused around neuromuscular, it's almost harder than say a really tough tempo or sub-threshold workout. I agree, Even I would agree. Power is lower. They're having to be really intentional with how they do it. And, and those neuromuscular workouts outside are even that much more challenging. And so um, as we move into winter training, we're taking an assessment of what the season's been like, what you've accomplished, um, how physically fatigued you are, how mentally fatigued you are. Um, I know a lot of your crew, uh, a big target is Lodija. And after that second Saturday in September, a lot of people don't even want to look at their bikes again. They're not even <laughs> sure they want to take them home. Right? Put them on KSL. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so, I mean, think about, think about when you finished um, and you've, you've uh, raced in it a bunch of times and think about the different years. You probably, some years you're probably like, man, I feel great. Other years you're probably like, oh, I am so smoked. And it might not be physically smoked besides yeah. just that day. You might just be like, how did I, how did I train that much? How did I, how did I pedal my bike for over nine hours at one time? And so there's all those things and mental fatigue can put you in I think even a bigger hole than what physical fatigue can, unless you're truly overtrained, like mm -hmm. true overtraining. Um, like you can't get out of bed. You're, you're sick essentially. And mm -hmm. so when that's also something that I like to um, differentiate, uh, like people will say they're overtrained because they've got mental fatigue or they're kind of perpetually fatigued physically. Um, Overtraining is almost like being sick. It's something that you have to fully recover from. And it takes, yeah. it takes a good six weeks to eight weeks to really come back Shut from down. Yeah. overtraining. So I, I always like to qualify when people say they feel overtrained. It's like, mm, you're probably just excessively tired. You overdid it a few times too many or mentally you need a change up right 
Um, so once we kind of find that finishing point of our season, it's good to reflect and be like, okay, I've hit the end. Like there, there's either no more races to participate in and hit, or, you know, you've decided, hey, mid-October, there's not enough light in the day. And so I, I need to change things up. It's good to take some time. And even if you're not taking time off the bike or off of exercise, I, I pretty much never recommend like drop anything. It, it's kind of like do something different. So if, if you've got a mountain bike, go mountain biking and enjoy yourself. Don't have it be about training. Like actually go out and work on skills rather mountain bike skills rather than work on pinning it, right? Or do some hiking that transitions into a little bit of trail running. Because when we're on the road bike, even when we're on the mountain bike, we, we, there, there's a lot of ways that our body works that become super efficient, efficient for cycling, but we are now lost with our um, lateral stabilizing muscles and we go hiking and we're sore for days or I call we, it, I call it being the most fit, unfit person alive. <laughs> I, I guess most fit, least adaptable. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, or you've, you feel so amazing fitness wise and you go for a trail run on it out and back. And all of a sudden you realize you're five miles out and your legs are starting to get sore and you yeah. five miles back and you end up with cement legs for two weeks and you can't do anything. <laughs> so, you know, having a transition point or even just going out on the road bike, if that's, if that's what you love and, and doing some rides that you normally wouldn't do because you've been focused on training. Right. Um, and so having kind of that crossover of like seasons over, and let's start thinking about next season. And as we start putting together the ideas for next season, um, like let's say, okay, we know we're gonna do race X, Y, and Z, and here's the dates for them. And when do I need to get back to training in earnest? So there's no, there's no perfect time to get started. And, uh, or to wait. It's more like what, what you feel from the mental side and from the physical side. And there's a lot of things that you could spend the next month doing that aren't cycling like specific, but maybe you get in the gym because you felt like some strength imbalance. Uh, maybe you work with a trainer for a little bit to work on um, core strength or Maybe it's like, ooh, cyclocross looks fun. And you get out and you do some varied, like cyclocross racing is so signif significantly different than anything else. And so you challenge your body in a whole different way. Um, you learn a new skill. I mean, I've even heard people say that cyclocross, while it's cycling, it's not really a discipline of cycling, it's its own sport. <laughs> Because it's, you go so hard to go so slow. 
<laughs> That's because they're riding through bark, Dave. Bark <laughs> over, over wet wood. Grass. Yeah, I mean, even when you watch like the World Cup, the tip of the top 45 dudes in the world racing cyclocross, you see the like you can tell that the power is just like pouring out of their ears and they are going so slow <laughs> in it from a speed standpoint so it's you know there's so many different things that you can plug into i know a lot of people um really love backcountry touring mm -hmm. what a phenomenal alternative that works with cycling mm. perfectly that uphill motion is exactly what your cycling motion is and you are almost forced to use your core where on the bike you can be a little bit sloppy with it interesting i've heard and that. still be able to do pedal okay but you end up with um potential for injury in your back or you know there's a lot of different things if your core is not working with you on the bike but trail running uh backcountry skiing skiing in general like unless you're out of control all the time, your core is engaged. Hmm. And it's, a, it's a, another place to be super intentional um, and think about how your body is working for you. Cool. Right. Jake, Jake, maybe ask about, um, you brought up the point about young guys on our, may, maybe people that are new to Zwift and kickers. Sure. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, as we talked prehand, Dave, um, yeah. you know, we've had a lot of, um, new people join the team over the last couple months. I mean, typically after Lodoja 2, there's a lot of people have interest of our team because we're so big and um, we're growing. But, uh, you know, those we for a lot of these new people obviously, you know, get kickers and they're anxious. They're, you know, coming off the high of Lodoja and training all year. And, you know, let, let's get into kind of some some winter training. So, you know, I'm, I'm curious for and, and asking for them kind of like how, like what's a good start, like how many hours a week? Sure. Um, obviously plan seven's a great um you know plan to join or and, and subscribe to to work with you and to kind of get dialed in but i mean do you recommend zwift do you recommend you know trainer o but just in general if i'm a new person i just got a kicker just joined a team get really into cycling super amped by the way kind of move into winter training what should, what should be the thing? <laughs> yeah yeah for sure and so when when we're looking at that it really comes down to again time constraints and so you're thinking about like how much time you have and when you have that time available and you know just because you might have 15 18 hours a week to train doesn't necessarily mean that's what you should start out with right and, and also you know you might have teammates who that's where their life's at and that's where they're training age is also that they can you know they can take a little break after a big summer of training and be fresh and motivated and their body will accept it right right you know um i have a a teenage um athlete who's really gifted awesome mountain bike racer and he he always talks to me about a particular ftp number that he wants to get hmm. and like okay that's that's a really cool goal i don't want that to be a goal that limits you because you're so focused on it and he's like right. well that's what that's what these um world cup mountain bikers are doing and and i say well 
these World Cup mountain bikers, like we've got, we've got one here from Utah, Keegan Swenson. Right. He's putting out power that is so ridiculous. It's amazing. <laughs> it it's is. amazing. It is absolutely, absolutely phenomenal. Guess what he's done for the last 15 years of his life? He has dedicated himself and fortunate enough to be a, a paid professional at this point for over 12 years, 12 to 15 years of consistent training. And he, he didn't have a 380 FTP at 135 pounds 12 years ago. It's been something that he's developed over that many years of training and racing. And so it's like, yeah, that's a good goal to shoot for, but don't be disappointed that you can't do that right now. Right. And don't let that limit you. And so it's kind of like, we need to take where we're at at the moment, have goals that, that stretch our limits, but that aren't frustrating. Right. And it's the same thing when you have like some nutrition goals of like, okay, over the winter, I want to lose 25 pounds. That's, that is unrealistic for me. Like <laughs> I want to be a under 150 pound racer. It's not going to happen ever. Like that's not my body. I could, I could shoot for that and have that be my target, but either I'm going to lose all of my ability to produce power and, or get sick. Um, and it's, it's not a realistic thing to shoot for. Um, and so, yeah, we need to set up realistic goals and, and build a progression that helps us increase our, our physiological skill progressively, not just like hammer the nail and keep hammering it and keep hammering it. I mean, we, we put the nail in and it's good. We need to move on to the next nail <laughs> and build the structure, then start putting the drywall up. Then, you know, we have to have a roof on it first. And so if you think about it as building something out, you can't have a house without building it. Yeah. Right. I like that. That's yeah. yeah. And, and there's a whole bunch of steps and, and the steps can be done in different order. I mean, you have to have a foundation, you have to have walls, you have to have a roof, but then there's a whole bunch of other components that can get plugged in at different points and be built at different points in the construction. Like every house building um, process isn't the same, right? There, there's steps that can be done in different order, but there are certain pieces that have to be done. Right. Nice. And could, so, you, oh, could yeah. you, could you elaborate on those pieces? Uh, and the only reason I say that is because a very, a, a really smart mentor uh, with Aaron Jordan. Yeah. Um, he, he told me he, he kind of structures his uh, training plan in like a four week block where he's taking kind of segments along. Um, could maybe talk about that? Like what, what are the essential elements as you like build and you build and you build? Sure. Um, kind of the process of training that I subscribe to is periodized training. 
And that sounds a lot like what Aaron is putting together for himself and, and suggesting. So a periodized training plan, you have these different blocks that build on each other. And so, um, you know, when we talk about that, uh, relating it to building a house, you have to start with a foundation. You can't, you can't do any of the other building without the foundation. And so these first blocks of training, like let's say we're going to start our 2022 training in November. Our beginning blocks of training, we can traditionally a periodized plan. You either do two weeks, somewhere 10 days to two weeks of work, and then you do a week easy, or you do three weeks of work and a week easy. Um, if you've been training for a long time, a lot of people can tolerate three weeks of a really solid build, and then you take a week pretty mellow. Um, but I've seen elite athletes really um, do great with a two-week build and a, a week mellow. And then like you can ramp it a little bit steeper and pile it on for the next block heavier. Um, and so we're building out that foundation. So when we're building foundational fitness, we're thinking about fitness levels or work levels that are more about the time pedaling, doing it efficiently and doing it at, at tempo range or under. And so if people are thinking about um, training in numbered zones, you probably don't wanna go a lot above zone three training. Hmm. So you're, you're focused more on endurance, building that depth of endurance out um, and pedaling efficiently. So uh, that's where you're wanting to like work on neuromuscular skill. So fast turnover, but low, low power so that you're connecting how fast your body can move and, mm -hmm. and not really so focused on, on the big power. So it's, it's kind of like a sprint workout, but you're keeping the power low. These are really challenging workouts to do outside. So it's great to have them be on a trainer because yeah. you can you can have the erg mode keep your power at a certain point and then focus on the turnover. Control, right? yeah. Um, but while we're building this foundational fitness, we want to have our body um, also activate the other energy systems. So I'm never opposed to um, like having, having sprints or shorter surges um, as, part of, as part of an early season effort. We just don't want to be trying to do, you know, 15, 20 minute threshold efforts besides when we test to validate an FTP um, because we want to like build that structure so that our bodies physiologically are ready to step into those higher levels later. Got it. Um, and so when you think about a periodized training plan, we've got a long range where we have three goals, A races in the season, and we have to build the house by the time 
we hit those peak races. And, and we, so there are certain things that have to get done before others. So the foundation, the walls and the roof, those, those things have to happen before we start doing the nice stuff on the inside. Um, otherwise we risk having it rain for three days and all of our drywall melts away because we put drywall up before we put the roof on. (laughs) And, and so we're just thinking about building that progression out. We have to do the right amount of work to stimulate our physiology to make changes, but we also have to give our body enough time of rest so that that energy that we're now not using in a rest week for training, the body can rebuild itself. Nice. So we're looking for physiological adaptations essentially. And with, with the foundational training, the benefits we're getting are things like um, increase, uh, we, we promote our body to build red blood cells. We increase our plasma volume the number of mitochondria per cell grows, our mitochondrial enzymes increase. And so our ability to do work becomes greater. Cool. Right? Now we can go out and chase Strava segments all day and um, you know, pin it all the time and we're gonna get better mm. to a point. And then we get to where we're so fatigued we can still push hard, but we stop making progress. And the worst thing that can happen is we keep pushing through that. And then we start to see a drop off because our body doesn't have enough time to rest to handle and, and, and make those adaptations. And so you're saying, I mean, from what I've, I've learned, um, from you and watching your athletes and watching the guys that I admire this, this winter is, is building that bottom of the pyramid. I mean, really like making it robust and big. Yes. And that I like that. Um, we're, we're trying to build depth. We're trying to make it robust. We're trying to set the structure so that we can build super deep tempo so that we can increase our threshold, so that we can maximize our VO2. Um, and VO2 doesn't like, so our VO2 max range is the maximum amount of oxygen that our body can use. We can take in more than we can use, but we can f- have a focus as we get closer and closer to racing or performance time. It, and this isn't just about training for racing. This is training for optimal performance. So you might have goals that are way outside of racing that where racing doesn't matter, right? And so wherever you want your peak performance and it requires high intensity, we need to advance our VO2. But if we work on that right now, it doesn't really do us a lot of good because there's not, there's not, we, we don't need to have our VO2 be super efficient right now. Right. It's not, it doesn't work. It's not worth it. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, if it feels good to go super hard to a certain point, right. Um, but now's not the time to necessarily do it. 
if you're out on a winter group ride with the crew and there's some occasions to pin it, that's fun. And it also helps to keep the energy systems activated. And it's probably a little bit easier to do a five minute super hard effort with the group than it is to do it on the trainer. Yeah, yeah. You know, Dave, one thing I do, uh, and maybe you can speak to this, is I kind of bring back in the gym. So uh, winter time, I'll do at least two hard strength training sessions um, that I get from, uh, you know, last year I used this app, this Art O'Connor provided like a, tra uh, like a nine week training program that I use, very effective. Um, but maybe speak to that, like good and bad pitfalls. Uh, how does strength training kind of fit in? Strength training is awesome. And I mean, I'm old. And so I definitely need some strength training uh, and, and it helps, it helps maintain muscle tension. It helps maintain um, our volume of muscle. It helps with our bone structure and being more of a dedicated cyclist. We're not putting, we're not putting pressure on the bones hmm. uh, the way that normal impact would be, you know, it's easy to overdo like with running and it's easy to underdo with cycling. And so strength training is great for those aspects. And if you feel like there's a deficiency in strength somewhere in your body, the winter is the great time to do it because we want to perform in the spring and summer and heavy strength training is not the greatest thing to try and do when you have a race coming up. Right. Um, but in the winter, and especially when we're doing the lower intensity, you can get great quality out of your strength training and maintain great quality with your endurance and tempo work in the, in the bulk of the winter season. So yeah, strength training is great. Um, if you want it to really translate to cycling, I suggest that you find somebody like Art who has the program um that is specific to cycling strength well i want to be like keegan so keegan <laughs> keegan does it yeah does. <laughs> yeah right exactly does he um, use art? yeah he does yeah. i don't know i think he's posted it on his social yeah, he, does. he does he does and um he's been really dedicated to strength training for a lot of years and hmm. at his level you have to be I mean, Dave, those guys, you, oh yeah, go ahead. Do you have strength training involved in your, in your plan seven stuff? I mean, do you prescribe that kind of stuff? Do you yeah. pull that into your, your routine? Yeah. And so we work, we work with art. And so if you really need like super specific programming, um, we send you that direction. If you have your own routine and we've talked about it and it, it makes sense, um, then I'm happy to just say, hit it yourself. You sound like, you know what you're doing. If you've never been to the gym before and you're like, I'm going to go do a bunch of squats and leg extensions. And oh. yeah, I want to get those squats as deep as I can. Um, that's not necessarily going to be the most awesome translation over. Um, we want to do like functional lifts. So functional strength training where 
the movements match movements that we would do in daily living just with more resistance. And it's also as, as just as easy as, as it is to be stoked about, all right, I'm winter training, let's get after it. And it's super easy to go too hard too soon. And you need to approach your strength training in a progressive way as well. You've got to build the foundation. You've got to let your body experience resistance at a low level. I mean, a lot of times art starts people out with um, just body weight movements. Yep. And, you know, if you have background with, with strength training, he'll move you into weight sooner. But when Brianna and I have worked with him, a lot of times at the, like if we haven't been lifting, um, we'll start out with just body weight stuff. Okay. And a strong athlete is a better athlete, right? Nice, that's um, great. Dave, I got one more question for you. Yeah. So um, typically, you know, we ride Zwift, you know, all through the, all through the winter. And, uh, you know, from your experience and with what you prescribe your clients and yeah. things like that, is it better to have hard days like on a Monday, Tuesday, like harder uh, training rides on Monday, Tuesday, or is it better to have maybe Thursday, Friday? Um, how do you like organize your week? Because like yeah. we, you know, we usually do our rides on Zwift for our team Tuesday, Thursdays. And so like usually Tuesdays, like a real race feel where Thursdays, maybe like a group kind of ride, we're kind of keeping pace, but can you just shed, shed some light on that? Maybe on, yeah. on how you prescribe things that way? Sure. And that it's all dependent on how your week as an individual lays out. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, if you're taking a Monday rest day, a Monday, Friday, a Sunday, Thursday, like however you plan out your rest days, um, then we start to think about, okay, how do I want to structure the rest of the training week, right? Um, and if it's more schedule driven, like you guys do a Tuesday ride and a Thursday ride. And, and if the consensus of the group is Tuesday, we rip it, Thursday, we just do a, a steady pace. Maybe it's spirited, but it's more controlled. Spirited. Um, I like that. Spirited. <laughs> spirited. Yeah. Uh, or spicy. Um, <laughs> then mon like if Tuesday's hitting it hard, Monday, you probably either want a rest day or a active recovery or neuromuscular activation day. And you probably don't want to do your heavier strength training on Monday or Tuesday. Um, or do it post Tuesday ride. Um, and, and then that all depends on what your athletic age is. So when I say at or training age is, it's like, if you've been doing this for a long time and every winter you move into lifting, you know what to expect, you know, how your body's going to feel after a weight training session or a hard trainer session, and you're going into more race mode. Um, you know, it's just kind of laying that out, but laying it out with intention. And, and then, you know, are you doing a long ride on a Saturday or a Sunday or both days? Sure. What's the intensity of those? And so it becomes pretty individual on how you want to lay it out. Um, but it's also not rocket science. I mean, if you do, if you do two weeks of throwing something heavy at yourself before you want to like hit it hard with the group on Tuesday, 
and you realize, whoa, this isn't working. Well, then you sit back and you're like, yeah, I went way too hard the past two Mondays and felt like crap on Tuesday morning. Sure. Makes sense. How do I adjust this? Right. Um, the thing that comes in with like having a coach build your training plan, um, it, it gives it like, for me, I just want you to be a better cyclist. And so I try to find out how you live your life outside of your training. And I want the training to fit into life so that it doesn't cause interruptions so that you're motivated to do it. Um, and so that you can hit 90% of the workouts and, and then we build the structure a certain way. So I'm not building it from an emotional standpoint of status. Like I want to, I want to feel like I worked hard. I want to ride as much as Joe. I want to, um, be as strong as this guy. Like, you, you put an emotional attachment to your training and it's really easy to get out in the weeds pretty quick, where for me, I've asked a bunch of questions and then we're talking and, and we're making it dynamic to fit your life. But to me, I just want you to be a better athlete and I'm going to give you a structure that based off of our, our chat gives you the best potential. And then we make adjustments along the way to help it either fit your life better, to maximize on the gains that you've made up to that point. And so, yeah, I think that it's really motivating. Like if your training time is 5.30 to 7.30 a.m. and you know that the group meetup starts at 5.30 and if you're not there, you're going to get five text messages and people lighting you up that's a great motivator. That's super fun. That's kind of, um, you know, we did house of Watts in person for seven years. And then last year couldn't, and we thought, well, should we bag it or should we find a new format? And so we structured it the same. So a progressive winter program that helps you hit all of the physiological and neuromuscular tasks that you would need. You don't necessarily think that you need individualized planning. And so it's a great general structure that's customized to you. Um, and so we plugged it into Zwift. Training Peaks and Zwift talk to each other. I can build the structured workout in Training Peaks. And then you pull it up into Zwift. The House of Watts structure is we do meetups and we do keep the group together mode. And nice. so the 10 people or 20 people who are doing it are at all different levels, but it feels like a group ride. Right. Yeah. And, and we're doing the work together and it's, it's at a scheduled time. So we offer live classes where um, there's also audio communication. So the coach can give you instruction, tips and tricks, conversation about why we're doing the training. Um, people can, heckle each other and it just it ends up being a cool and it, it maintained the social structure that I thought was going to go away and I thought it would just not be awesome and it ended up being pretty cool and Zwift being the video game for cyclists it it's a distraction 
right? They keep, <laughs> and but then you've got there's, your, there's dinosaurs in there. Yeah, yeah. You you've got your numbers, and with a structured workout, it's prompting you to hit the hit the target, and it's prompting you to increase your cadence or drop your cadence, um, and you know it's it's a great way to stay motivated. Like nice. it's very easy to have winter training be super monotonous, but now we have all these amazing tools to work with and we have like, everybody's making phenomenal outdoor riding gear. And so on the days that it's not ridiculously harsh or unsafe, you can get outside too, to break it up. But there's plenty of folks. I mean, the e-racing goes year round. People are racing on Zwift in the summertime. Yeah. Yep. Blows my mind. Crazy. <laughs> David, David. <laughs> never bad weather. It's just it's bad. Efficient. <laughs> oh, oh, this morning was pretty bad. <laughs> nice. So, you well, know, hey, yeah, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, um, I would love to invite. I mean, if the team is looking for House of Watts or wanting to be a part of it, last year we kind of introduced it out there and we had a lot of guys. Uh, join those uh, those groups and the, the times, which is absolutely, Dave, you guys, I don't know how you did it live, but you're doing three rides a day, right? With House of Watts? On Mondays and Wednesdays. Okay. On Tuesday, Thursday, Friday have two sessions and Saturday and Sunday have one session. Bree and I split it up and, you know, we also ride bikes as that's how we do things. <laughs> and I've been, I've been racing and training for 30 years. Bree's been at it for a long time as well. And so, you know, our training age is old also. <laughs> uh, but yeah, House of Watts is an awesome program. We start up on November 1st. And um, the way that we've reformatted um, with our Your House of Watts version online is we throw out the workouts for every day of the week that, and then you choose which days you wanna do it. I highly advise that people take at least one rest day per week. And I'm open to discuss like how that's most efficient for you. You've got the option to do the live classes or you can do it at your convenience because once you sync your training, the training piece account that we provide um, with your Zwift account, um, then the structured workout for Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday is on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Nice. And so if you, if either the time isn't convenient or you just want to roll on your own, you can pull it up when you want. Um, and again, it's a, it's a structured plan based on what I feel like are the physiological skills that need to be optimized in addition to the neuromuscular skill. Hmm. So awesome. that's, that's something to yeah. think. And yeah, I'll put, I'll we, can always, put we can always become more efficient in either of those areas. Definitely. As the most efficient rider that you are, you can always optimize. And I'll put House of Watts link in the show notes. So uh, if anybody would like to sign up or connect with Dave, I mean, it's all on their plan7coaching.com website. So um, that's a, is that the best way to connect with you, Dave? 
initially, and then it has all of our contact information out there and gives the details of, of Hasselblad's program. There's the registration links. Um, you know, if, if you're new and you need a trainer or you need a new trainer, we can help with that. Yeah. Um, and then also one of the big things that people leave out of the mix sometimes is the proper nutrition when you're on the trainer. Mm. When you're on the trainer, think about it. You're pedaling for the whole duration that you've dedicated to training. When you're outside, there's let offs, there's um, you're stopping, your body has a chance to take it easy. Um, I've read and just seen from my own experience that um, you're like, say a two hour ride outside, you're getting the same out of a trainer session of 90 minutes. Mm. And so nice. trainer time can be excessively efficient. It also can be sometimes frustrating. People are like, I can go climb Mill Creek Canyon and hit my, like be really close to my threshold for most of the climb. But if I try to do 50 minutes of threshold on the trainer, I am dead, right? <laughs> and, and there's a lot of things that go on when you're on the trainer that you just have to consider. When you're outside, your body has to balance. And so you're activating a lot of, a lot of your musculature just staying on your bike. Um, it's also the balance stimulation that you're getting feedback constantly. And so from a mental standpoint, it's fatiguing in a good way, right? Yeah. On the trainer, you can fully be lazy and still push, but it's harder to hit some of those higher numbers for the same duration. And it's because you don't like, it's all going into the legs. You're not as active with your upper body. And so it's great to have your bike fit dialed in so that your core works with you because for cycling to be efficient, you have to have your core and it's the platform that you push against. Um, the other thing about indoor training is when you buy a trainer, um, buy a fan. If you don't have a fan currently, you need to get one. We said this is this is in the mouth of two or three witnesses. Do it, Dave. Tell them. You, we perform better when our core temperature is lower, yep. and when we're outside, even on the hottest days, like you don't feel as hot when you're moving. When you stop, you feel super hot right away. You need that fan blowing on you to help keep your core temperature down. Um, yeah, we want to sweat. We want to get the workout in, but just because you don't leave a mega puddle underneath you doesn't mean you got a good workout. Um, the other aspect of that is you need to eat and drink when you're on the trainer and you need to drink more than just water. You're sweating more inside. So you need to be replacing electrolytes. You need to be replacing calories. And if you do that, you're going to perform at your best. If you're fueled, you perform better. And hydrating keeps your core temperature cooler as well. So if we wanna maximize our training, 
we need to take advantage of all the things that can help us do that. So um, like I become a psychopath after five minutes of not having a fan on when I'm <laughs> training on the trainer. I like I lose my mind and I can't have a good session. Even just from a mental standpoint, I can't have a good trainer session, let alone my body not being able to perform at its best. So well, we need I to agree. give ourselves all of the opportunity. Because your body is spending energy that it would have spent to get better yes. trying to cool you. Yes. And that's silly. That's just wasted energy. Yep. So keep yourself cool fuel and hydrate. The, those are essentials. I mean, people think, oh, I'm only on the trainer for 75 minutes. I'll just have a water bottle. And it's like, well, okay. But you have a significantly better training session for your internal physiology if you replace electrolytes and replace fuel. Nice. So, Great suggestion. Nice. And a lot of us get up and start our training early and we're rolling out of bed, putting on the bibs and jumping on the bike. You've been fasted for probably eight-ish plus hours. Yeah. You need fuel. And so on those days, like I start out on my warm-up eating a waffle or having a liquid shot. And I'm immediately starting to drink um, electrolyte mix. So Jake, Jake's drinking a bang. <laughs> lots of caffeine boom. <laughs> boom it's such a good i mean it's such a good i agree and, I, and more than anything i just feel like if i'm going to spend the time on that thing it's it better be maximize, maximize it and whether it's 45 minutes or three hours make most of the time that you spend yeah so there's no black boxes out there for the best training there's just ways to maximize how it's built and take away the stress of trying to figure out what you should do, how you should analyze it. That's, that's where a coaching plan can come in super handy. Um, for some people, they have the time, they have the interest, they, they like trying to figure it out. But for others, they're time constrained and they end up losing time pedaling trying to figure it out so you know it's not magic it's just that that's what i do every day and when i have the questions answered and i'm seeing data come through i know what the next step should be and it's and then you're jumping on the bike and executing yeah nice well dave appreciate your time this has yeah. been Excellent. Um, so much to learn from you, your experience, your, uh, you used a lot of words today. I actually don't even know what they mean. So <laughs> you have, have to look them up. <laughs> You're uh, very smart and I'm great. I'm just grateful you take the time to be here. So appreciate it's, it. Jake, it's anything, about it. Jake, anything, uh, as we wrap up? No, I just, you know, Dave, your, your, uh, your knowledge was, was, uh, awesome. And, you know, thanks for being an awesome support for our team. And, you know, I know a lot of people, you know, I've used you in the past for fits and for fitness and, uh, you know, you're just a legend in the cycling community. I'm just grateful to sit, take some time with you today to kind of be a sponge and soak everything up, man. So thank you. Well, I'm always happy to chat with you guys. So bring it on. Nice. Appreciate it. Maybe we just do weekly. The podcast is Dave. Just have weekly. a little chit chat. <laughs> All right, man. We can break it down. 
appreciate it. All right, cool. fellas, have a great day. Thank you, Dave. Yeah. Have a great day. Hey, guys.